Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Today, we travel to the center of the country, Chicago, where I had a great Transit Unplugged interview with Rocky Donahue, the executive director of Pace Suburban Bus, at his offices in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Pace is ready to launch their new arterial rapid transit service called Pulse and expand the bus on shoulder program paid for by the new Illinois capital infrastructure law, which will provide Pace with $228 million in new capital money over five years and expand their bonding authority, plus add $10 million annually to their operating budget. Rocky explains all this. Plus, we talk about his 37-year career path at Pace to the C-Suite on this special edition of Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. I'm Paul Comfort. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. We're excited today to be outside of Chicago, Illinois, with Rocky Donahue, the executive director of Pace Suburban Bus. We're in his office here, and it's a it's a great, beautiful day here in Chicago. Thanks so much for having us in. Absolutely, Paul. Glad you could be here. Yeah, I've been in Chicago the last couple days speaking at a conference here, and it, it, to be honest with you, I hate to say this to everybody else in the country, but Chicago is my favorite city in the country. I love Chicago. Chicago and San Francisco are just awesome cities. So tell us some about how transit works in Chicago and, and how PACE fits into that. Absolutely, so in Chicago, we're primarily three operating boards, the CTA, Chicago Transit Authority, which is primarily for bus and rail within the city of Chicago. If you've ever been to Chicago, as you have, Paul, you may have ridden the, the famous L. Oh, well, that's, yeah. that's the, the CTA. Then we have our second operating division is Metro, which is our commuter rail division. And their responsibility is primarily bringing um, suburbanites to jobs in the central business district of the city. So they operate in 200 and some communities and in a various number of rail lines that that feed people into primarily into the into the city. I I, I do know they do have some reverse commute, but it's primarily into sure, the city of Chicago. Yeah. Then Pace, we're the suburban bus division, and our goal is is multifaceted. And we kind of believe we're a family of, of services, not just the traditional bus service. We have fixed route bus service, which which makes up the vast majority of our, our ridership, but we're also responsible for the ADA paratransit system throughout the whole region, including in the city of Chicago. We've started some express services, bus on shoulders, highly popular in, in Southwest suburbs. We started that, Paul, in 2011. We were carrying 400 people a day. Today, we're carrying nearly 4,000. We're only limited, truly, by our own constraints. Our capacity is, is, is because we just don't have enough buses, and even if we got more buses, we've run out of garage space to, to, to house the vehicles. Um, we've also started our, our local on-demand service. A lot of our suburban areas are not as dense as, as the urban area of the city of Chicago. So on-demand is, is, is kind of a hybrid of a fixed route paratransit service where it's kind of our version of Uber. <laughs> you call, 
the bus comes and then takes you to the main line. Is it uh, same day service? Same day, it's within one hour actually. Okay, yeah. So we have the one of the top five van pull programs in the country. We have over 700 vans on the road every day, primarily in two, two categories. Our traditional van pull program is a group of four or more people who all work together, live near nearby, one, one drives the van, picks the others up, they pay a monthly fee and, and that's how they commute to work. The other is our what we call our Advantage Van program. And that's primarily used for, for individuals with disabilities who live outside the ADA service area. Oh, sure, yeah. Their facilities, their employment will, will take the van, go through the neighborhood, pick them up and bring them then to, okay. to, to their facilities yeah. for work, so. And what is your service area? Our service area is the six county Chicagoland metropolitan area of Cook, DuPage, Kane, Lake, McHenry, and Will counties. It's over um, 3,700 square miles. It's my understanding is it's, if it's not the largest, one of the largest service areas of any transit system um, in the nation. To put it in perspective, it's about the state of Connecticut to size. Wow. And do your buses go into the city? Yes, we do have some that go into the city. Most of them do not. Most of them that go into the city connect with CTA, right. L with stations, Dorval Carter's buses, yeah, yes. Yeah. But the bus on shoulders program goes from southwest suburbs of starts in Will and then comes into DuPage and Cook County, and that goes into the central business district. Okay. But very few of our buses actually yeah. go into the city. So it's very well defined the roles, and you told me you've just celebrated the 35th anniversary of this structure? 35th anniversary, we were, we were um, created in 1984 by the Illinois General Assembly, and like anything in life, Paul, there's challenges, yeah. and, there's, and yeah. there's ups and downs, but this system has worked for 35 years. 35 years, we've only had to go to the General Assembly one time for what I'll call a financial bailout. That was in 2008, where the system needed more operating money and, uh, and the legislature increased sales tax to, to bring that in. So 35 years, if any form of government anywhere only had to say, hey, I need a, yeah. a little bump up one time, I, I think you can justify it's, it's doing something right. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't do things better. Right. Right. So how do you roll up to our friend Leanne Redden and RTA? How does all that work? So the RTA is our financial oversight. Okay. Very important. And the RTA is, um, besides financial oversight, also guidance on planning. And they're kind of like mom and dad. <laughs> and that you've got CTA, Metra, PACE, very, very distinct agencies serving different constituencies all very important constituencies. It's RTA, similar to um, maybe in your family with with where mom and dad have three or four siblings and they're at the table and sometimes as brothers and sisters, we always don't get along. We all love each other, we respect each other. We were there at the end for each other, but sometimes mom and dad have to, yeah. hey, go to your room, go right. to your corner. Well, that, that kind of happens here as well, and RTA plays that role. They're that oversight role. Are, are they, besides financial, are they like your governance, or do you have your own board, or how does that work? No, they are purely financial. We okay. do have our own board. Our board is a very unique board in that I give, I think, why it's worked for 35 years. Our board is made up of, of mayors, 
to, to be a member. And we're the only board of the transit systems. And I believe we might be the only board in Illinois that is defined to be on the board. You have to be a mayor. So these are all decision makers. Um, these are all decision makers yeah. who come from the community. I believe, obviously, have their pulse on the community. Yeah, understand the the community's desires, wants, and and they're accountable because it's just not they're appointed and no one knows who they are. They've got to go out and run for election, not elected to the pace board, right. but election is their mayor in their community. And by serving on the pace board, I'm. They have to defend yeah. what, why they're doing what they're doing. Now, do they tell me how your funding structure works. Do these local communities actually provide funding to you? So how our funding works is we primarily have, if, if, it, if I can break it down, three pots of money. Okay. It's the easiest way to describe it. Pot one is, is fares. By law, the system as a whole has to achieve a 50% fare box recovery ratio. Really? And that's, that's by state statute. Wow. So, so, that's the way Maryland used to be. Okay. You were at 40 and then 25, <laughs> and now they did away with now, it. So, yeah. Now, I say regionally 50%. Okay. The RTA is our financial oversight agency, sets the individual fare box recovery ratios for each service board. Okay. CTA, because they are carrying 90% of the passengers, their recovery ratio is around 52%, and they have, they have the urban area. Metra is recovery ratios at 55%. Ours is at 30%. Okay. And the RTA, still not bad. RTA recognizes as a suburban agency, we don't have the density. We have a lot of rural areas. Mm -hmm. We run a lot, as we talked earlier, paratransit, ADA service, which which also has defined of how high you can make sure it can fares only be double that. yeah yeah exactly yeah. so so our recovery ratio is a region we have to recover fifty percent um thirty percent for pay so so pot one is okay. the actual paying passenger pot two is in nineteen eighty four when we were created, we have a regional sales tax, so one and three quarter percent of purchases in Cook County go to the RTA and then there's a an incredible formula that gets split up and probably the easiest way is Pace gets about 13 cents of every every dollar that comes oh, in the for, tax money. Okay, for yeah. the tax money. And then in the collar counties, DuPage, Kane, Lake, McHenry, and Will, their sales tax is 1.5%. So it's a little bit less than Cook. And, and, and the money is, again, it's about rough figures, uh, 48% to CTA, 39% to Metro, 13% to Pace. Okay. And, and, and that's probably the bulk of our money. Then the state of Illinois has what they call a public transportation fund. So every dollar we collect in sales tax in the region, the state kicks in an additional 25 cents for every dollar, another 25% uh, match. And that money goes to the RTA to be split up at their discretion okay. to the service boards. All told, our operating budget is about $400 million between what we call our, our suburban service and our ADA paratransit service. That's good. Now, uh, like how many employees do you have? Give us some of those kind of numbers. Sure. Right? So PACE, um, and this is what's unique it, compared to um, in the region, compared to our sister agencies, we're, we're very small. We're the smallest of the service ports. But nationally, we're, we're top 25 transit systems standalone in the okay. country. We have 1,800 employees. 
We have over 700 fixed route buses on the road every day. We have over 700 van poles on the road every day. Wow. We have over 500 smaller paratransit vehicles on the road, plus over 1,000 private carriers' vehicles on the road. So 1,800 PACE employees and then well over 1,000 private operators' employees. We carry nearly um, 35 million people a year. And you have a bunch of operating garages around the area, right? I saw pictures in your lobby. Tell me about that. Yes, we have 10 operating facilities. Again, a, a service area the size of the state of Connecticut yeah, yeah. requires us to be spread out. These 10, 10 garages, at one, some of them were we inherited in 1984 from public and private transit companies that preceded us that went bankrupt, right, basically. Right. And some we have built new. And it's always a challenge of the example I'll give to you are two. One in, in our Northwest division in Des Plaines. The garage was state of the art when it was built in 1962. <laughs> um, but it's, it's 57 years old today. Right. It was built to house roughly 65 vehicles. There's 120 at it. And so we're parking as many buses outside as we are inside. At Joliet, because of our I-55 service, same situation where capacity of that facility was like around 50 buses and we're currently at like 75 where it's causing some challenges for us. Um, and good news is the state of Illinois just passed a capital bill, which will help us relieve some of these, these challenges and hopefully put us on the right track to, to transform this agency in the future. That's great. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a second. You have a massive in scale operation you're running here. Mm -hmm. How did you end up being the head of it? Uh, you know, I pinch myself, Paul, yeah. and I say that sincerely. It's, it's, I'm sure, a lot of luck involved, and I'm sure hopefully some of it is because I did something right on yeah. my way. I've been at Pace. I'm in my 37th year. Okay. I started out as a financial analyst. When you were 12, it looks like. Yeah, <laughs> you're kind. <laughs> I started out as a financial analyst, but then I shifted gears into the government relations side of the house. Oh, I always okay. had an interest more in, in kind of the public policy yeah. side of things and, and, and grew up in, in government relations. I don't know if this is good or bad. I've had the opportunity, though, over the years where they've I've been in charge of our budget departments, our capital departments, marketing, signs and shelters, customer relations, IT, purchasing, grants. Wow. I, I pretty much oversaw everything but physically bus operations. Yeah. So I say, well, it's good or bad. I don't know if it was a matter they kept moving me around to get rid of me <laughs> <laughs> or if they felt, hey, maybe we think he can he can help here. I hope it's the latter. Well, it sounds like you're, you're the uh, well-prepared man for this job. You know the agency inside and out, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's unique. I think it's hard to find someone who has spent their whole adult life in any profession at any, yeah. any one company today. And and you know and and so i think you're the only so i've met two or three guys who have spent their whole career in transit i don't know that i've met anybody who's had all the jobs in an agency basically all the jobs kind of leading one that. agency, yeah that's yeah. really interesting so i've kind of been the jack of all trades and the master of none and and i think 
I doubt that. You probably no, mastered a few of them. I've probably mastered I hope my background and my experience is what led the Pace Board to, 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 to give me this opportunity. So I was in December of 2018, put in as an interim, and then was made permanent in March of this year. So I've been officially on the job now three months, four months, I guess, in the, in the permanent role. So. And, and what's, what strikes you, I guess, have, you know, uh, having worked in this agency for so long and then to finally be in the CEO chair, what are the impressions you're getting that are maybe different than what you thought the job was going to be like or similar or whatever? So, yeah. so the, biggest, the biggest issue is 37 years, I think, for me, the transition culturally and, and knowing the organization and, and the people was, was fairly easy. The hardest part was I never realized the amount of HR mm. issues that, 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 yeah. that come with, with being the CEO. And, yeah. and, and, um, and I think what, what when I said I grew up in the government affairs side, uh, having a board of, of 12 mayors, I've, I've worked primarily with a lot of elected officials over the years. So right. I was able to, to kind of have a, a little bit of experience of, of dealing with with an elected official, understanding their their concerns. I have a, a, a sign in in the office. It's it's put away that says it's all about me. When I put it up, people people first when they see it, they don't know. They go, "This guy's pretty arrogant." Yeah. Now when he says it's all about me, and and I put it up there as a reminder, yeah. right? Yeah, as a reminder to me and my staff that. Try to put yourself in other people's shoes, be it the customer, be it the board, be it Paul who comes in here today, because because we're public servants, and I take that responsibility very very seriously. And you know, I I want to hear what we do well, but I really want to hear what we can do better, and I want to hear from the customers how we can improve the service. I want to hear from our employees how we can make life better in the organization. And so um, sometimes. We, we forget and we think it's about us. We need to, we kind of need to keep that in perspective. That's great. Well, let's, let's talk about that. How are you making the agency better? There's a lot of great new things coming. And so tell us, I guess, let's first talk about the new capital bill for infrastructure new. and what, how you're going to use that to improve things. So new capital bill. Paul, if you had came and talked to me <laughs> between December and May, if you, if you had followed me on any, any external stump speech I gave or any meeting I had with employees, senior staff, with with constituents, I said, we need a capital bill. The last capital bill in Illinois was 10 years ago. Our paces, just to get to a state of good repair, we needed a billion dollars mm. over the next 10 years. That was just to get us to a state of good repair. Um, good news is the Illinois General Assembly passed a capital bill in May. The governor just signed it um, that, yeah. on June 28th, Friday, June 28th. Um, a day that will live in infamy. <laughs> they will live in infamy now. <laughs> to the critics, it, it's like anything. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Right. And how are you paying for this capital bill? Well, we doubled our gas tax. We went from 19 cents to 38 cents. Was that an easy vote to take? I'm sure it wasn't for a number of legislators. The last time we had raised the gas tax in Illinois was 1990. So, and if you had indexed the gas tax in 1990 to inflation, it would be about 19 cents higher. And I believe that's where, at least I'm assuming, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was part of the reasoning of, okay, what, extrapolation of, of what, what, would yeah. the, what, is, what would the cost be 
And what they did this time is they actually have, going forward, it will be indexed to okay. inflation. So hopefully we won't have to be here in 20 years saying we need to double the gas tax again. So we're grateful that. Why, why personally, I think the gas tax is, it was the right choice is about two years ago in Illinois, we did a lockbox amendment where we said gas taxes could only go into fund in a lockbox for transportation purposes only, roads, bridges, highways, mass transit were one of those things. So the public has confidence. Yes, I'm paying more for in gas taxes, but it's going to be used for the purposes it should be. And why should it be the gas tax? Because it's it's cars, it's it's trucks, it's the vehicles that are that are making the the necessary are making the damage or causing us to have to make the improvements. So I believe it was the right thing for for PACE, we, we received an earmark in the bill of $228 million. That is the largest one-time infusion of capital money in our history. And over how long of a period? That'll be that 228 will be over the next five years. Okay. We also will get about another 50 to 60 million of state bonding from RTA discretionary money. And we should get about another 10 to 11 million annually for infinity from this bill as well. For pay go operating dollars? For pay as you go operating, exactly. So historic, monumental, this this legislation, it's going to transform our agency or it's going to give us the ability to transform our agency. We pretty much, we were talking earlier about 35-year history, but we haven't really changed much. Mm. We've, we pretty much do the same thing. We run 40-foot buses on pretty much the same routes that we ran 35 years ago. And we do ADA paratransit service right. like everybody else does. Well, this bill is going to allow us to do some things we've dreamt about but didn't have the resources to do. One thing we, we believe helped in getting the money is we're piloting a arterial rapid transit We've developed um, a plan of 25 corridors of ART. So yeah, the difference tell us about that. Yeah. yeah, difference of ART. A lot of people have been familiar with BRT, bus right. rapid transit. Bus rapid transit has its own dedicated lane, very similar to kind of a, a rail system where you have a dedicated track only the train is on. And bus rapid transit, you have a, a dedicated lane, a dedicated road for only the bus. Well. We, in a lot of our suburban areas, especially the inner ones closer to Chicago, the buildings were, are built almost to the road. Right. So there wasn't room necessarily to expand and create a bus rapid transit lane. So arterial rapid transit is you stay on the main highway and you use technology to, to keep the bus moving along. In this case, it's a traffic signal priority is the, the first bit of technology we're using in, in on our first debut on Milwaukee Avenue. Traffic signal priority, unlike police cars, the ambulances, it doesn't pull up and tell the red light turn green. It doesn't preempt the signal. What it basically says is, hey, I'm coming up to the light. You're getting ready to change. Please keep it green for another 20 seconds to let me get through. So it keeps the bus running on time, keeps, keeps the, uh, the system on schedule, um, gives more reliability to the customer. That's the first bit of technology. As we, as we advance into these other corridors, 
we'll also look at queue jumping. Mm -hmm. And by queue jumping is when you pull up at the when you pull up at the stoplight, there'll be a bus only area and the bus will pull in there. So you'll have a left turn lane, say two lanes of traffic, then a very small lane for the bus to pull in and its light will turn green before the other lights do so the bus can get ahead of all, all the traffic. So the idea is, even though we don't have a dedicated lane, to give us advantages right. as, as, we, as we go through this. So our, our Pulse Line is debuting August 11th on Milwaukee Avenue, which goes from the uh, Jefferson Park CTA Blue Line to uh, the Golf Mill Shopping Center in Niles. Okay. There will be 10 stops. And, and besides the uniqueness of, of the technology of the traffic signal priority, the, the advantages of our buses are going to be, the bus is going to, to pull up to a raised platform. So it'll be level boarding, doors open up. There will be our venture pass. So you tap on, tap off. You're not gonna have to, we do accept cash, but you're not gonna have to, to, to play with cash. The technology in the bus, all the buses will have Wi-Fi. They'll have the USB charging ports. They will have screens for real-time information of where your next stop is, and you can see the, the routes displayed on the screen. The station itself is going to be a much more than just a, a bus shelter and a bus stop. It's gonna have heated enclosed seating. It's going to have snow melt on the, the boarding location. It will have also real-time information signs and it's going to have a large vertical marker which will be unique in that. So for the occasional rider is going to know, okay, this is a, it's a special stop. Special stop yeah. and, and in that marker is going to be a initially a static screen but hopefully eventually interactive where you're going to be able to, as a passenger, okay, here's where I'm at, here's where I want to go. How do I do this trip? That's awesome, Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. So we're excited about that. The first one, um, like I said, our Milwaukee Pulse Line. Do you have any frequency August headway you're thinking about doing with all these routes? So the, the, the frequency on, on Milwaukee Pulse, I believe, will be every 10 minutes. Great. High um, frequency. Yeah. High frequency. From start to finish, so if you're riding from Jefferson Park all the way to Niles, um, that'll be about 21 minutes in total total time. Today, doing that on the on what is Route 270 takes about 30 minutes. So it's going to reduce your travel time by about 25%. That's amazing. And, and the service now is running about every 20 to 30 minutes, where it'll now be running every 10 minutes. So high frequency, limited stops, only right. 10 stops. And these stops were identified um, not only where high boarding, but the, the most anyone would have to walk is two blocks in the corridor to get to a, mm -hmm. a stop. So while some people, they'll say the two blocks will be inconvenient, it's, 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 a, it's not going to be that cumbersome to, right. to, to be able to, to access the service. And how has your overall ridership been going in the system? A lot of places in the country it's been going down. It's overall, so here's what's unique about our system. Overall, our system has gone down. We've lost about, over the last, um, two and a half to three years, our ridership is is down about 4%. So it's been down a little over a percent and a half, roughly a year. Okay. But in certain markets, we're actually seeing ridership increases. And what are those markets? We instituted in 2011 bus on shoulders, 
where we operate on the shoulder of the Stevenson Expressway, I-55 here in Chicago from southwest suburbs into the central business district. Ridership on, on that line has gone up 600% in, in eight years, and it continues to grow today. We partnered with the Illinois Tollway two years ago on I-90 here in the northwest suburbs, Jane Adams, where again, it's, it's, we're not riding on the shoulder, but we have a dedicated, what we call flex lane, where pace buses, when traffic gets congested, the bus is allowed to go on that flex lane, bypass traffic and ridership on that service is growing 60%. Last year in partnership with the CTA, we restructured our service to coordinate better with CTA service in the North Shore area mm. of suburban Evanston, Wilmette, and ridership is growing in that area. So what that tells me is there are certain segments that, that people want, these faster services, right. more direct services. Yeah. So we believe this Milwaukee Pulse will, will yes. be great things. And it also tells me when we restructure service, as we did, as I mentioned to you earlier, we've kind of run the same service for 35 years. Yes. And when we restructure service and, and kind of not only go where the jobs are, go where the people want to go, we can see ridership. So with this capital bill, that's one of the things we're looking at is now let's, let's make these investments to ensure we're not just doing what we've always done, but, right. but to grow ridership. Well, you're doing the three things that every city in America that grew ridership last year are doing. So it's reboot the routes where people want to go, where the jobs are now, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just all in the central business districts anymore. It's in the suburbs, Correct. right? Uh, and then two, it is increased frequency, and three, it's reduced friction. Exactly. Those are the three things that everyone is doing. So I think you're going to see great improvements. And are you going to take this arterial rapid transit service beyond just this first route? Yes. Yeah, so, so Milwaukee Pulse launches August 11th. We have 24 identified corridors oh, in awesome. our suburban area. Yeah. Um, and the Capitol bill is really was, was when I called it earlier, monumental. That's what is going to give us the seed money. Okay. To give you an example, Milwaukee Pulse, roughly it was about 14 to $15 million between constructing yes. the 10 stations and buying the new equipment okay. for it. So 24 times <laughs> yeah. $15 million, it, it adds up fast, but we now at least have the money, we can start progressing. So we're, we're already in various stages in, in three other lines, Dempster okay. in the northwest suburbs, 95th Street in the south suburbs, and Halstead in the south suburbs as well, are in various stages and, and will be the next, next three that come online over the next two to five years. And they'll have similar, all the same features? Similar, yes, yeah. and, and will be branded Pulse. And, and part of that branding similar is, is building that identification. So we have a, a large region, and, and so when people are going outside of maybe where they live to work, you had mentioned you know, uh, getting people to jobs. More people live in the suburbs now than in the city. Right. More people work in the suburbs than in the city. And we have a number of people who are making over an hour one-way commutes yeah. to because where they live necessarily isn't where the economic opportunities are. So the Paul system will, will give them great advantages to, to access to employment, access to school, yeah, better their lives. That's great. 
Any other things coming up on the horizon for you you want to talk about? We're going to expand our bus on shoulders. Okay. We talked about the one on I-55. The the Illinois Department of Transportation just widened the shoulder on the Edens Expressway, which is... Do they... put extra asphalt on it to yes. make it strong for your bus. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So like anything, we we didn't, you know, we didn't invent this wheel or reinvent the wheel right. here. We kind of stole the idea in Minneapolis. They have an extensive bus on shoulder program. We sent a, a, a bunch of planners up to evaluate it yep. and realized, hey, this this would work in our our region. And because of the success of I-55 where we went from 400 passengers in 2011 to nearly 4,000 today, our officials are saying, you know what, this is a a much more cost-efficient way than building a new rail line. Or or we're using existing infrastructure, the roadway, to your point, spending minimal just to to kind of build it up and, and make sure it can support a bus. And we already have the buses, so why spend billions of dollars creating something new? Let's do this in a, in a more efficient way. And, and it's proven to work. Yeah, that's, and it's not a right mirror removal program, right, for the no, cars? No, not at got, all. You got enough room for the bus. <laughs> you right? got enough room for the bus, <laughs> and um, it's a good point. We've started in 2011, so we're in our eighth year of operation, and we've had two incidences in wow. eight years. And those two incidents were a result of, of, of a, a, a car coming into our lane, not, yeah. not the bus going into the car. But yeah, safety, probably like everybody you talk to is, is job one. Right. And it's our number one concern as well. Wow, well, you've got a lot on the plate and now you've got the resources to make it happen. We're very excited about that, Paul. And it is an exciting time at Pace and appreciate your coming out and letting us tell our story. and. You're doing great work as well, so thank Thanks. you for well, what you do. I'm happy to share this, especially the arterial rapid transit. That is uh, very exciting. I think as people listen to this, you might be getting some phone calls from people around the country <laughs> saying, hey, give me a little bit more on that. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right, thanks again, Rocky Donahue, for being with us, our guest today on Transit Unplugged. Thank you. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.